sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Talks from the Dark Side. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Chris Barr. And we're back for episode six, Slippage. Uh, this one's directed by Michael Gornick and written by Mark Durand and Michael Kube McDowell with an original air date of November 11th, 1984. Uh, yeah, I guess before we get rolling, you want to talk about this director a little bit? Yeah, tell me all about him. I got no fucking clue who it is. <laughs> Michael Gornick. <laughs> I did some, uh, yeah, searching through IMDb. As far as the writers go, it's just mostly guys that have done other Tales from the Dark Side episodes. But then with uh, the director, Michael Gornick, he's sort of all over the place. Dude, he, he's got four episodes of Tales under his belt. He's got two episodes of Monsters. This fucking guy directed Creepshow 2. Oh, shit. Yeah, and uh, Stephen King's Golden Years. He did that one, too. But um, it's it's crazy uh, that... You know, you had the, I, I guess he's, he was friends with Romero, I guess. This guy was also the cinematographer for Day of the Dead, for Christ's sake. Oh, man. And, uh, I mean, forget Day of the Dead. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the Langoliers. <laughs> <laughs> Did he do the Langoliers? Yeah, he's a producer. Oh, no shit. I was going to say, this, uh, this has kind of a heavy creep show vibe for, you know, one of these episodes. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was the whole point, remember? Like, this was supposed to be creep show the series. So this guy, right. so this guy directs creep show too, and he, and, you know, he's a cinematographer for Day of the Dead, but he's also the cinematographer for the original 1982 creep show. Oh, shit. He's he's all up in that creep show. He's neck deep like Ted Danson. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this episode's in really good hands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's written super well, but it's also directed super well. And uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. And this always hits me hard. And especially like now at this point in my life, at this period of my life, um, that I'm going through, watching this again really hit me hard again. Um, it's more like a Twilight Zone. Again, it's not necessarily a, a, um, a monster uh, episode or a ghost episode. It's more like an existential crisis episode with supernatural elements to it. Yeah, this one, you know, the last couple episodes we've, you know, covered from Tales from the Dark Side, they've, you know, had a little bit of like a fun element to them. Yeah. This has none of that. No, it is very it is very straightforward. There aren't there aren't any jokes in this to be had. Uh, there's no there's not even dark humor in this one. It's very uh, straight laced and and uh, drama slash horror forward for sure. Yeah, definitely um, real heavy on the drama here, and I think a lot of that comes from like the short story it was based on. Which is I don't know too much about that, but you know in the opening credits it pops up. It wasn't just a you know an idea that a bunch of guys sat around in a writing room and put together. It's like actually based on an original short. Yeah. That Michael Kube McDowell is, is credited for the original story, which I haven't read either. So I'm definitely curious because, uh, yeah, this episode is one of the best ones. Yeah. It may be, uh, I, I didn't look cause I didn't get a chance, but it may be in that, that, uh, that paperback version. Yeah. I'll have to check that. Yeah. We got to check that. We'll, we'll get back to you. We'll probably make a post about it. Um, even though the title of this episode, uh, you know, is referring to something that 
you know, is very dark and kind of uh, permeates this entire episode, a uh, slippage. Uh, I mentioned this to uh, Joe off air, but every time I hear the word slippage for some reason, my brain goes back to the late 90s to Hey Arnold, uh, the teacher strike episode specifically, <laughs> where, uh, you know, I'll keep this brief, but basically there's a line that the fucking teacher keeps saying over and over again. Because they're, every day of the strike, you know, it slips into the kid's fucking summer vacation. So she keeps going to the principal. Slippage! Slippage! <laughs> and and they, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll post it when this comes out. But there's a fucking rap song, essentially, at the end of that episode with just her saying, Slippage! Slippage! And then the principal going, If I hear the word slippage one more time, I'll... Slippage, slippage, slippage. Uh, so anybody else out there that knows what I'm talking about, uh, look forward to that. Man, I cannot for the life of me remember that episode of Hey Arnold. And I've seen a lot of that show. I cannot remember that one. But I am looking forward to seeing it for sure. It's an Easter egg connecting this episode to uh, Hey Arnold. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. MDU is shit. Oh yeah. So this one's basically about this, uh, this graphic designer guy who... Um, is trying to get ahead in life, you know, and he's always put work and um, his career uh, to the forefront of everything and has kind of uh, pushed uh, his personal relationships and um, uh, extracurricular activities to the side, uh, if you will, his wife and what have you. And he wakes up one day and realizes that not only has everybody seemed to have forgotten who he is, but his literal existence starts uh, slipping away through the cracks of time. Yeah, like there's so much to cover here. Yeah. Um, well, first we should talk about the actor. Yes. The main actor here is uh, David Patrick Kelly. And it's a name that you probably won't recognize, but as soon as you see his face, like, oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. So he was in, he was uh, Luther and the Warriors. He's like the bad guy in the Warriors. Yeah. Warriors come out to play. Yay. I think that's his biggest one, yeah, that everybody would know him as. Yeah, he's in everything. He was um, all over the place. He was, uh, oh, he was in Commando as Sully, getting thrown off the cliff. Dreamscape? Yeah, uh, Jerry Horn in Twin Peaks. Uh, he's in The Crow? Oh, you're right. Yeah, he is in The Crow. Oh, God. That is Jerry Horn. Oh, my God. I did not make that correlation. That is not my foot. He was, uh, yeah, he was one of the best parts of the new uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. And the original, I would argue. Yeah, oh, that too. He's a great actor, man. He's a solid all-around actor. He's in everything. And he fucking brings the goods in this, I gotta tell you something. Especially as he begins to quote-unquote fade away. I mean, there, there's... I mean... Slip away. Yeah, there are some fucking, like, heartbreaking moments <laughs> in this episode where it's like, holy shit. But, uh, we kick it off a, a, day, a day at work. And, um, boss man is fucking passing out, uh paychecks and stuff and this is the first instance we get of his existence fading away because he's like oh, i'm sorry hall i don't have your paycheck i better I'll, I'll go i'll find it but not now i'll do it on lunch okay bye oh and by the way stop drawing pictures of yourself because uh you wouldn't want anybody to think you'd be slipping now would you tm slippage tm keep her in the ball richard yeah yeah well it's like that thing like you were just saying though joe like he's kind of pushed all his uh he's got blinders on basically he's pushed everything else away from him but at the same time like even with all of that happening like he's still like you just said doesn't have his fucking eye on the ball he's like fucking off drawing himself he's not really like paying attention to what's going on in his life so it's like not only is the universe against him, but like he subconsciously, I would argue, is almost a little against himself. Well, I think it's 
I think it's quite obvious that he's against himself. Yeah. Especially when he talks to his wife. Yeah, he's kind of worked himself into that. He's got this self-deprecating kind of air about himself. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, his successes aren't good enough for him. Well, yeah, because he just assumes it's because of his friend he works with helped him out or, you know, his wife's with him because he, he doesn't know why. Why would you be with me? Kind of attitude. Right, right, right. Well, it's funny he mentioned his friend. Uh, so they both apply to the same job. And he's like, yeah, I'm waiting on that fucking call, uh... To get out of here, so we can, so I can go work at Commercial Graphics, which is the new place that they want to work at. And he's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, Rick, I, I forgot to tell you, I got the fucking job, kiddo, and I got the office, you know, just like we talked about. Well, not you, but me. Twenty six thousand a year. I'm gonna buy a fucking mansion." <laughs> The, the '80s were uh, apparently amazing. Uh, yeah, especially if you're a fucking artist. That's a lot of money then. <laughs> Imagine making twenty five thousand a year now. No. Oh my god. I, no. Just like, just like we dreamed. <laughs> just like we pictured it. Probably going to be able to buy that Porsche. Uh, so it turns out that Rick didn't get the job or didn't get the call back, right? And he's like, oh, that, that, good for you. Great. Like, good. You know, that's great. <laughs> and uh, right. so he calls his wife to like ask about if anything had come in the mail or anything. And she's super sweet and super supportive and whatever. And he's just kind of like, eh whatever you know he's very again he's very down on himself and things like that it turns out nothing has come from the place so he calls them up and they misplace his fucking his birth certificate is destroyed so he needed to get a copy of that um but it, then it turns out that like his fucking resume isn't there his fucking uh stuff from his like college yeah his social security card <laughs> pretty much everything he needed for this job they just either don't have or he said he'd send a replacement yeah the big thing is his fucking portfolio. Now at the t- now <laughs> it's 1984. If you're an artist in the 80s, you have one of those big giant fucking square or like semi rectangle those those oblong oh, yeah. uh, uh, zip up case folder things to send your portfolios in like giant you know uh, case. He's like, how the fuck did you lose that? And she's like, I don't know. It's whatever. Sorry, bye. Gotta go. It fell off a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then, like, he goes home, and he's like, yeah, he's like, ah, the weirdest thing, he's like, you know, they lost my check, and they lost my portfolio, but, you know, at least I have a beautiful wife. She's like, ha, I'll make you a drink. <laughs> he, he like, finds the mail, and she's and he's like, wait a second, I thought you said there was no mail. She's like, well, it came after you called. He's like, all right. He finds out that there was a class reunion because his high school was shutting down, and he didn't get invited and the day that the reunion was was like the day before yeah yesterday he's like all right well that's fucked up which is i guess kind of fucked up but who cares right (laughs) that's what i said i was like good i'm glad they didn't invite me well it's funny because his wife's like who even cares who you know about that fucking town he's like yeah well yeah i said fuck them all and they said fuck me too i guess yeah so then he like calls an old friend who i guess just has the same number from high school and he's like oh yeah this is so-and-so's wife yeah never mentioned you once (laughs) yeah well because he was the member of the committee that was like his best friend yeah he was the guy in charge of putting it together oh yeah 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 yeah. so that's like a big point like how could he forget me you know like we, we used to do so many things together and stuff so that's why he was like oh yeah i'm sure uh i'm sure your husband told me told you about me and stuff she's like nope never once uh and he never <laughs> went fishing either we're vegetarians bye and then he sees like a fucking mail thrown out in the garbage oh man this this was the it's like his wife's uh car insurance like the registration yeah 
And he starts like flipping out. And he's like, why isn't my name on this? He's like, I bought the fucking car and it has your name on it with your maiden name. And she's like, oh, it must have been a mistake. He's like, mistake. It's like, give me a break. He's like, what'd you do? You threw this out with your like, and he looks at her fucking license or whatever. And it just says her maiden name on it. And she, he's like, what the fuck? He's like, I bought this car. Why is it my name on this shit? She's like, I don't know. I thought it was weird, but I don't know. And then he starts thinking that, like, his wife and and uh, his friend are, like, conspiring against him to, like, drive him fucking crazy or whatever. And, like, you know, Chris was her friend first before they even met. And they're kind of, like, sweet on each other or something. Yeah, now it starts getting weird. It's, like, the first couple of things that happen with him, it's just like, all right, just having a bad day. But, um, yeah, now it just just... Things are adding up, and it's just starting to get real weird. He he ends up, like, freaking out, and he's like, fine, you know what? Everybody, you know, my wife's against me or whatever, blowing smoke up my ass. These fucking people suck at work or whatever. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to go see my mother, right? Oh, man. This fucking little old lady answers the door. <sighs> Granny Van Dan op- opens the door. Peeking through the window. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of sexy there, boy, but I don't have a son. <laughs> you can come in anyway. I'll even put the shotgun down for you. <laughs> no, but seriously, like he goes and it's a it's a pretty powerful scene because um he's like, Mom, he's like, Oh, you know, oh, it's me, Rich. Like, like, like let me in. You know, I, I just really need to talk. I need somebody to talk to because, you know, life sucks. And she's like, Who are you? He's like, she's like, uh, that's great and all, but like I I think a, a mother should ought to know if they've ever had a son, and uh I definitely didn't. So good night. <laughs> good night, son. Yeah, but the way that he's, like, defeated, man, and he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Hall, like, I didn't mean to disturb you, like, you know, you must be terribly frightened of me and stuff, and just, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry, and then he just leaves, and it's just like, fuck. Yeah, he just kind of accepts it. Yeah, he's just like, yep, you're right, I'm nobody, bye. He shuts down. If you, like, look through the episode, like, now that you're aware of him kind of reacting to these situations... You start to see that it's like that's his default reaction to most of these situations. Oh, he's a doormat. Yeah, just to kind of roll with it and accept the fact that he he can't change the way things are, I guess, or that he's laying in the bed that he's made and then just ends up being defeated every single time. Right. But they also, you know, the show has done a really good job of this so far uh, with makeup specifically. Because now, like, as the episode progresses, they start to really, like, make him look paler, almost like, for lack of a better term, he's, like, he's fading away, like, he's yeah. slipping away. Yeah, he's, like, real sickly. Yeah, he's gaunt looking, like, like he's like he's not, yeah, exactly, like he's fading away, slipping away, if you will. <laughs> so then they, uh, they finally get in contact with him, like, his wife and Chris are trying to contact him for, like... After three days! Yeah! This guy's been MIA for three days! And so then they're like, oh, he, he's at the, at the job, at, uh, in their art studio. So Chris is like, all right, you stay here. Try not to get too upset. You know, whip him up a dinner and I'll bring him home. She makes a comment like, oh, my God, you know, he's putting us through so much shit. I, you know, it's better if he was never born. <laughs> oh, like, my God. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's such a weird thing to throw out there. And like, oh, he makes a comment before. I don't want to miss this part because he says something. Uh, he says something along the lines to Elaine, his wife. He's like, he's like, you know, you dropped out of college because you thought I was going to be a big uh, success and you bet on the wrong fucking horse, and you should have married Chris, and, like, now I'm 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 not the man who you thought I was, and, like, you know, no, I, I wouldn't say pity party, but he, you know, he's very down on himself about it, and, uh... I would argue it's a serious pity party throughout this entire thing, and it's part of, like, 
again, like this guy, A, like all this weird shit is happening, so that's not helping his situation, but he's just kind of accepting it after a while and just like, uh, yeah, no, I, I guess my mom just doesn't know me because I don't exist. Uh, I guess that's just how it is. Uh, well, he's belie- he's believing it. Right. Yeah, and then he starts, like, rationalizing yes. what's actually happening. Exactly. Yeah, ra- rationalizing the the belief that he's nothing or he's nobody. Rationalizing this insane situation, honestly. And, like, the way this all comes together, too, it's like, I know going through, like, the story beats is one thing, but, like, seeing it come together and the way it's acted... Is just it's so well done. Oh yeah, we can't do it justice. No. Yeah, the whole the whole episode just makes you like uneasy. No, it it is oozing with atmosphere and and punch and and it's just shot really well and everybody's really fucking bringing it in this episode. And this is for like TV, you know what I mean? <laughs> the music and the lighting really aid it. Also, yeah, this little show and you have an episode like this because it goes back to those roots of the whole point of this show was to make little movies right yeah that's why they that's why george wanted to do this show and this is like one of those there's one of those stars of the series for sure now i wonder if um and this is just a weird like observation but i wonder if this was purposely put in after the previous episode mookie and pookie and i know you know we ragged on that and stuff and it wasn't like one of the best but i think this was an actual conscious decision to put like a really strong one after kind of maybe the weaker ones. You know what? I mean, maybe. I, I don't know how it really worked. I mean, I don't know if it was one of those things where, like, things just went across the table and it was like, okay, here's the next thing. You know what I mean? That we decided on. That's good. And then, you know, kind of like a, uh, you know, almost like an EC Comics thing. Like, somebody's got an idea. Fucking put it across my desk. Okay, great. Go. And then that person goes and does it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, Richard, he's looking really gaunt now. Like, he looks like, you know, he's white as a fucking sheet. Yeah, sweating. He's sitting in this dark room with this one light on him, and he's dr- and he's all yeah, like like Chris and Sean said, he's all sweaty and he's real gaunt looking. And this man already has a super interesting face, so he's he he looks like he's dead. And he's drawing a picture of him as a baby. And Chris comes in, he's like, "Where the fuck you been?" He's like, "What what's 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 the deal here? Like, what's what's going on? Like, you've been had us worried sick." And he's like, "Yo, everything's gonna be fine. Like, don't worry about it." And Rick says a couple things here. Rick says, uh, oh, I'm surprised uh, Elaine isn't with you. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was it was really, you know, it was really hard to get her to stay home or whatever. And he's like, uh, eventually we all find a way to make things easier. Then he's like, then Chris says something along the lines. Of, now I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, he says something like, you know, you know, all this bad stuff that's happening is, you know, we got to get over or whatever. And then Rick's like, oh, you know, you get it. It's time to start seeing it all for the best. And it's just like him realizing that he's let everything pass him by? Well, they use a great allegory here, too, or a, a visual, where, yeah, he has the picture of the baby, but he also has the picture he was drawing of, of himself from earlier, and then he has a third picture of him as an old man, and he kind of yeah. shows Chris all three of these. Like, ah, I wasted my life kind of thing. Yeah, like, I focused on all the wrong things, and without a past and without a future, there can be no present for you and you can't exist in the present right right because of the things that you've built in the past and things that you're working towards for the future but if you're just if you don't have either of those things how could you be you kind of thing yeah he doesn't live in the present and the whole episode is very uh indicative of that for sure he missed the high school reunion he's worried about the next job like He's not worried about like what's happening now. Like he's he's got a brand new wife. Like everything is kind of going, you know, 
besides his paperwork getting lost, like he's got everything going for him and he's so focused on everything else. Yeah, he's either looking, you know, far into the future or far into the past without really having a foot in the present. Exactly. And uh, that's kind of like the big theme here. It's like, and then he even takes off his wedding ring. He takes off his watch and puts that next to the picture of him as an old man. So you get that nice symbolism there. I just want to, real quick, I just want to talk about the mirror thing because we this this episode opens with him looking at himself in the mirror and drawing himself in the present, and it ends with him not having a reflection in that same mirror and Chris looking at it. And there's this whole uh, back and forth where, you know, he's talking to Chris like we just described, and he backs up from the table, and Chris is looking at him, and he and he can't believe what he's seeing, but he's like, you know, look closely, Chris. Like, is that you in the mirror? Like, is that the person that you want to be, or uh, is that the person you thought you'd be, rather? And he says, uh, I had to write it down because it was pretty powerful stuff. Like, he's talking about himself in the third person, Richard, and he's like, you know, Richard cared less and less to connect. Uh, with the people, with his life and the people that he loved. And he slipped through the cracks of time beyond his control. And more and more, he became more and more one-dimensional. And it was it was too late to control what he had already sowed by doing that. And it was too late to control the forces beyond the reflection. So the way I take that is like, you watch yourself every day do these things. And some of us, for better or worse keep making the wrong decisions or keep telling us ourselves the wrong things and have the wrong goals and not the right kind of awareness that we should have for all the things in our life that matter, you know? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And yeah, this is there's there's so much to unpack here yeah. in just this little monologue. And it's um you know, how he's finally accepting sort of how his life has been. And where he is now, and it's like, now it's like he's finally in the present, but, you know, referring to himself as a fading memory. Yeah, it's too late. He's, he's become a faded memory. Yeah, this whole um, this whole part here, it's like, a, it's like a punch in the stomach. Yeah, for sure. And he and he warns Chris, he's like, don't don't let this shit happen to you, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. As, as he literally disappears in the shadows. Fucking fades into nothing. And, like, Chris is like, holy shit, my fucking best friend just disappeared. Like, oh, my God. He's completely gobsmacked, dude. He's like, ah, ooh, ah. Well, wouldn't you be if you saw that? Like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> so what does he do? He runs back to uh, uh. to Richard's house, to his wife, to tell her what the fuck happened. And the first, uh, the first thing that's out of place here is he walks through the door, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I got to tell her what happened. But the way the camera moves is it shows him coming to the door and, you know, Dolly's over to the side, and uh, so now it, what was used to be a picture of Richard and Elaine, now it's just a picture of her by herself in like a graduation picture or something. Yeah, that was the one that got me because he says it earlier in the episode. He's like, "You quit college to be with me or whatever," and now he's out of the picture and she's a college graduate. Yeah, and you know she's dressed up to go out and and Chris is like puzzled like I thought you were making a dinner uh, like a nice dinner for Richard well he's he's like oh my god we gotta go help Richard like I gotta tell you about Richard right and she's like who's Richard and and then he like in that moment forgets he's like yeah I don't know actually she's all dressed to go out and he's like she's like she's like well I hope you didn't bring him home <laughs> because I only want one man and that's you and he's like what the fuck are you talking about right and and she's like, I hope you still got the tickets. And then he again, he like turns to the mirror and he looks at himself and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out two tickets for some show like they were always there. Right. And like he's a little confused at first, like Sean was saying, 
like he does a like has a moment where uh he remembers and then forgets well as soon as he gets that kiss chris i think that's what seals the fucking deal he's like oh okay yeah richard, who the fuck's richard? <laughs> yeah because she's like she's like who's richard and he's like richard who and she goes i don't know you were talking about richard and frankly i don't care and then there's this, this last shot, you know, they embrace, they kiss, and you're like, fuck. And there's this last shot where it pans over to the mirror again, and the front door opens and closes. You know, you don't see anybody, but it's just, like, implied that I guess he was on a different plane or what have you. Well, you get a gust of wind. Or, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Tom Noonan's back. <laughs> He's back, baby. I saw you there, Richard, baby. Uh, and then it kind of ends. On that on that sour note, that one thing I just want to know before we get into final thoughts is like we're gonna unpack this ending, right? I do I do want to just give one like perspective of it that maybe you guys didn't see, okay, or or think about, but like Richard could have been Chris's fears and doubts the whole time. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, and and I I thought about like I've seen this episode a bunch of times and I thought about this a lot. Um, and while I sympathize with Richard and that, like those ideas, like he's almost a caricature of those ideas. So like having Chris in the mix, I mean, obviously there's scenes in it that break it, like the yearbook part, part, which we didn't talk about where the Elaine and, and Chris are like looking at Rich's yearbook and see him in the yearbook. Uh, and then his picture fades like fucking Marty McFly. But um, could that could that have just been a personification of Chris's thoughts? Like and like at the end, was that all of those worries and, and things finally leaving him like he's overcome them out the door? You know, that's one way to see it. I could see it. I mean, I don't personally see it that way, but I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, that's why I just wanted to throw it out there first. Yeah, because I yeah. don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but I was thinking about it. it. It's a good theory for sure. I mean, I think it's like, it's just a weirdo episode. Like, I almost wish we got a little explanation of why the fuck this is happening to him. But like the theme of this show is stuff just fucking happens to people. Well, I think that's the beauty in it too, is that it doesn't explain it. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty straightforward. It, it, it takes something that... Uh, you know, a lot of us have dealt with, and again, the, the self-doubt, the, the 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 constant barrage, beating ourselves up for things that maybe we shouldn't, uh, not taking, for lack of a better term, and, and to kind of crunch it all into one thing, but like, t- take the time to stop and smell the roses, make those connections with people, talk, call that friend you were thinking about, don't don't put uh, mm. personal relationships to, to the wayside in favor of, of shit that doesn't matter. Yeah. And also not to lose your identity. That's another message here. Yeah, you. Yeah, you, you're giving up who you are inside to just kind of get through your life. And by the time you hit the end of it, um, there's nothing left because you f- you forget who you are. You don't know who you're looking at anymore when you look into that mirror. You know what I mean? You, you think about the person that you were and nobody remembers that person because you've been the way you are for so long. And not even you, you can't even remember, you know? Right, right. I mean, with that uh, idea that you just put out there, Joe, I'm, I'm thinking about the new man, though, with the whole Jerry situation. Um, obviously, I was kind of contemplating whether there's some, like, devil shit involved in that. But it's that <laughs> thing, too, where it's like you could make an argument that did Jerry even exist? Is this right. this guy just coping with his alcoholism? There's a lot of, a lot of different ways you can kind of attack this one. Well, actually, that that's, that's, you put it perfectly, right? I mean, with the exception of the twist at the end of the the new man, like... 
it's a personification of alcoholism and how it destroys your life. And this is just the personification of of self-deprecation and, and existential dread right. told with a supernatural twist on it. Like, if you, if you do this long enough, you're literally going to disappear into the ether, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Uh, and then nobody will remember you. That's the other key takeaway. Yeah, or, or um, people will only remember you in a negative way. Right. Or or in a fleeting way. Fleeting way because there's nothing interesting about you. Like, what makes you you, nobody's going to acknowledge, I guess. I mean that guy that used to do the graphics for the vacuum company? Who? I don't know. Throw all that shit in the garbage. <laughs> Dust that. Clear that desk off. I guess we're kind of like in final thoughts, but yes, I mean. Yes, we are, totally. I, I like this one a lot. Um, Again, I compare it to the new man just because they're very different, don't get me wrong, but like. I don't know, the, just the way that these flowed, I mean, I think those are probably the best two so far for me, and uh, I don't know, I just really liked it. Again, it's very Twilight Zone-y, um, very reminiscent of Creepshow, like a very short uh, Creepshow segment, and uh, I don't know, just everything about it was was fun, and, you know, I, I get where uh, you're coming from, Joe, like some of the messages here are a little uh, heavy when you really sit down and start thinking about it, but uh, the actual story on its own is uh, pretty intriguing, and I really like what they did with it in the short format. Absolutely, and, and just to that point, uh, and then I'll get into my, you know, my final thing, but like they've crafted it expertly, where you have a great story and you're fitting all those themes in without being too hand, hand-fisted about it. Right. Yeah, this is what happens when you have everyone on the production just all on the same page. Yeah. It's like everyone knows what they're doing, where they're going with it. Right. And... um it's everything came together in this episode it's a prime example of the whole point of this series and getting together filmmakers and writers and people who have shared the same common goal of creating a good story and and a a well-made piece of film and this that's why i think this one really shines because not only is it the core like the the core concept of of the show but like it's like pulled off spectacularly um especially for one of the episodes like there are a lot of episodes that do all kinds of wacky shit in this series but this one's unique in terms of being able to be a psychological horror or even thriller i i would i would or paranormal a psychological paranormal thriller supernatural thriller rather but also play it in a way where it's not just your average ghost story or it's not just your average weirdo concept because it's taking something that again a lot of people suffer with uh like a mental state that a lot of people suffer with and turn it into an actual physical fucking uh uh, an actual uh event that can happen where you literally like slip into the cracks of time and fade away into the abyss kind of thing you know what i mean obviously that doesn't happen in real life but this is like the personification of that and i've said personification like nine thousand times in this episode but it fits it's the best way to describe what's going on here Honestly, yeah, it's the it's the say it personification. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just you know it it hits home in a lot of points and and I think that's what you want in in a in a horror piece for sure. I mean I mean that's that's kind of the point, right? Uh, to take everyday things that we struggle with and 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 kind of put them into perspective so that you go, huh? 
maybe I should maybe I should not think like that. Maybe I should change what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, kind of, to kind of spook you into that, like a like a uh, what, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, the lesson in a tale, in a, in a in a in a fairy tale, you know, kind of thing, kind of way. The moral, the moral of the story. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, the moral tale, and it shows too that you know, considering this is a you know horror series, it's like it's like one of the creepiest episodes shows that it's not just you know rubber monsters and you know makeup effects that are scary it's like the real world issues are like the scariest yeah not only the real world issues but right you you're the problem it makes you the center of the problem you know oh yeah it definitely you know raises some very uh you know introspective questions yes exactly and existential questions too, for sure. Yeah. Um. And it kind of makes you. It definitely makes you think. Um. And on top of all that, it's shot super well. It has super high production. But again, like we have people that really care what they're doing. Like it has super high production value. The lighting's really good. Everything's very good and powerful. And uh, I fucking love this episode. This is one of my faves. Yeah. Everything just all comes together here. You know, the it's written very well. It's directed very well. Everyone acting in it does a great job. And uh, again, everything just all comes together here to uh, to make this really, really well done. You know, like we covered, it's you know, there's some really heavy psychological issues here, and uh, I think that's what makes it so effective. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's one of the better episodes. Yeah, it absolutely is. So that was slippage, and um, we will catch you on the next talks from the dark side. But until next time, I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke, and I'm Chris Barr. The dark side is always there, waiting for us to enter, waiting to enter us. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. <laughs>